welcome back to the World Toppers podcast. This is Ilana, and I just want to remind you that this is part two of episode four. So if you haven't listened to part one, you should go and check that out first. So now that's been said, onto the episode. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so we're already an hour in. We should probably go to a few other characters. Um, Vin? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Oh, Vin. This this is the hardest book for Vin, in my opinion. I mean, the she was the hardest Vin to read, if I think about the, for the, the Final Empire Vin and the Hero of Ages Vin, because this thing about wondering all the time if she was Vin or Valette or the insecurities... I understand why she was having these issues, but I didn't find them interesting to read. I was like, oh, come on, moving on, I want other stuff to happen. But in the end, you remember, she was just a teenage girl who didn't have any emotional support in her life. So it's only natural that she was going through this. Yeah, like, it, I, I understand. And I think that it does, like, help, like, her relationship, like, especially with Ellen, like, get stronger. Which is something that, uh, like, considering uh, the end of this book, they're going to need for Hero of Ages. And I think that is part of, like, Zane's purpose as well. Like, as much as we hate Zane, uh, like, Vin and Ellen's relationship needed to be, needs to be very strong for what's coming. I mean, just that yes. voice at the end of this chills. is like, <laughs> I am free. <laughs> chills. It gives me chills every time I think about it. And it's like, I am free with all capitals. I mean, in the end of the final empire, we get these fools. You have doomed yourselves. And you're like, what? But he was the evil guy. And there was no question that he had to die. I mean, he was the Lord of Evil Ruler. The Immortal Lord Ruler. Yeah, he died. And he's like, you doom yourself false. Yeah, and so, like, what? we we have an idea, well, like, tone-wise, of what's coming. And Vin and Ellen's relationship needs to be very strong for that. And I think this book really cemented that with, uh, like, both of their, like, identity crises. Like, Ellen's not knowing how to rule, but Vin not being able to really help him with that because that's not her strength as a person. Like, Vin is very uncomfortable, like, with all the Scott, like, worshipping her. And so, like, Vin is not meant to be, like, a politician or a mm-hmm. ruler or any one of those things. But, like, she also has her own identity crisis, like, with the whole Zane thing. And, like, uh, like being uh, Kelsey's, like, heir, more or less, because, well, he was her teacher. And they can't really help each other much with that, as much as they try and as much as they love her. And I really love uh, the speech says it gives about uh, the lock and key, one of my favorites in the whole series. I and adore he made that it up in that moment. <laughs> when Vinona <laughs> gets buried, and it's just adorable. Yeah, <sighs> I love that scene. It's so sweet. Although I, I have to say there. The lack of communication between the two of them bugged me so much because I'm like, so many of your issues could just be fixed if you would communicate. Tell him about Zane. <laughs> like, yeah, tell him about Zane. Tell 
uh, Vin that you're going to be joining the religion that worships her, like, ahead of time. And then, like, there's there's so many things that could have been discussed where, like, the lack of communication really helped Zane and others drive a wedge between them. And, like, this would have been so easy to fix if you would just talk to one another. Yeah, but they really can because, like, Ellen, like, uh, like Christian was mentioning, he's, like, emotionally unavailable because he has so many responsibilities as well, and Vin can't help him with his father. And I think that's really where Tindwell comes in. Vin literally isn't sleeping. The girl is not sleeping at all. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't even have time to exist, almost. It's so rough on them. Poor fellows. True. Yeah, I think my biggest thing was just the fact that she didn't tell him about Zane. Because I'm like, that could have helped quite a bit. And the fact that she gets back and is like, oh, yeah, by the way, your brother's dead. And Elin's like, hold on, I have a brother? Brother? (laughs) I'm like, oh god, you guys, you have so much to talk about. Please just like lock yourself in a room for like the next six hours and just sit and talk. Just so that we can all move on and be on the same page. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, is that not what Sazed was doing at one point? That that was my favorite scene when uh, Ven pops through the window. It's like, I need you, Sazed. Tell me what to do. He's like, oh, do do this thing. Okay, good. And she leaves. And like, not a minute later, Ellen asks the same exact question. And he's like, how do you think, why do you know that Ven is going to yeah. think this? He's like, oh, because yes. I do. When like just 30 seconds ago, she was right there. That was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have a great dynamic in this book. And just like that, going back to the thing like with the locking um, key speech, and, like them getting married. They're perfect for each other. It made me so happy. Yeah, they're so cute. That's why I love the I love that romance. I enjoyed it. It was very nice. It's not one of Brandon's best, I think, that goes to... One in Era Two, and uh, in Storm oh, and right. some in Stormlight, yeah. but it's still like very, very good and better than some others that are around. I love the uh, when Ben rescues Ellen at the end, as he's dying with the bead, because that lights. I remember oh. I was like, no. You know what? Let's just talk about the end. And get that out of the way because there's a lot there, and so we should probably do the end like chronologically. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, summary, uh, like of like part six, which is funny because well, of Ascension is the only one of the Mistborn books that has six parts rather than five, but that's not the point here. So, we have the huge like breaking point, like with the end of like the siege, and like all the Cola attacking Lufthedal and Ingo looking for the Well of Ascension in Terrace Lands. And but it was in Luther. <laughs> and so uh, everybody's thinking so many things are happening happening at the same time. Then Vin finally realizes that oh it's in Luther. And so she comes back and it's a wonderful scene even though she kills a lot of people. <laughs> kind of gruesome. <laughs> uh, uh yeah. The whole Coloss thing, which I need to get opinions on, Alana, like, how she's able to do that. And so Vin comes back to 
moves at all, and she realizes like that the pulsing that she's heard, the pulsing that has been uh, like pulling her towards the world of ascension, is guiding her to credit Shaw, the Lord Ruler's palace. And she's like, oh my, yeah. That was so frustrating. I was like, no, it was so close. Yeah. It is so close. And at the same time, uh, you can help me here, please, because, again, I haven't read this in a while. I'm relying like, on the notes and, like, my memory, so please help me complete this. And, like, says it at the same time as Russian because he's realized uh, that he can't, like, he's realized how the prophecies have been changed and he can't let things, like, free what is, like, at the well. I'm being golden and Ellen is there too. And Masha's there too. Oh, so much <laughs> happens. I would like to to know, Ilana, uh, your thoughts on on set, because I mean, we've been we have been talking about the main characters and the relation they have with the newly introduced uh, secondary characters here. And well, I mean, set is not such a such an easily hated character, but he's definitely polemic. Um, so yeah, yeah, I had a lot of issues with Set. Not really, like the character himself, but gosh, um, I did not like this as disability rep. I guess because this is the only disabled person that we have in the universe so far. And the fact that he is evil is not great. It kind of fits into the whole, like, disfigured villain trope that we get in Hollywood a lot. <clears throat> and I also didn't like the fact that Vin just seemed to assume that because he, like, no one in power could actually be disabled, that must be fake sort of thing. It just wasn't I mean great altogether. Um, I appreciate that Brandon is doing a lot better with his disability rep now, but... At the beginning, it wasn't. It wasn't all that great. So yeah, as a character, he was fine. Like, he had interesting motives. His view of, like, not being optimistic and just being, like, very pessimistic about everything was definitely an interesting difference between Eland and Straff. But I just didn't love him as our disability I mean, rep. I think that what you say makes a lot of sense, but I think there's a reason why it's reasonable that Bean thinks that he has to be the misborn because imagine that in her mindset, uh, raised as a ska woman, if you had like something that make you that makes you less powerful, such as sadly, but being a woman in that world, um, you were vulnerable and you would get probably hurt or done something horrible to you. So in that, I mean, to, in her eyes, you couldn't survive with such a disadvantage in that horrible world in which she was raised and she was also having a lot of deals issues with paranoia and not being able to trust anything and she was having her mind messed up by saying but i think it's interesting to talk about this because even if in my opinion the character makes sense and the way that he's seen on the eyes of the protagonist makes sense I think it, that I agree with you that it's not the best uh, representation that you can get. I mean, you could have like something completely different done with him. Brandon is definitely able to do it, and he's he's getting better. And there's probably 
kind of some more disability uh, representation in the following books in Mistborn, but um, are different mm-hmm. because are magic related <laughs> these disabilities. So we're gonna. We, I think we're going to be talking about this on Hero of Ages episode. Uh, but yeah, I know what you're in a slightly talking about. Different, you you know what what I'm talking about, Che. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And I think this is another one of those times where it's like, having that character be disabled isn't the issue. Yes, it's the fact definitely. that that's the only disabled character. Um, we, we see a lot with like, yeah, that's something that happens with a lot of rep, where it's like, it's not an issue that you had like, the woman be the bad guy. It's just if none of your mm-hmm. other protagonists are women, that's when the issue arises. And so... Also, this is somewhat related, somewhat unrelated, um, but I'm just amazed that in none of these worlds anyone has created a manual wheelchair at this point. Like, I can kind of yeah. understand for um, Skadriel, but we see a similar thing happen on Roshar where I'm like, you guys have had more time and it's not that hard to put big wheels on a chair and move it yourself. So, yeah. I just thought that was interesting to see how they, a lot of the disabled characters I've seen that do need to use mobility aids all have to rely on other people, whereas we don't see that as much with modern uh, adaptations of stuff that have representation. So I thought that was an interesting thing. But he's being carried everywhere, and I'm like, do you not have a wheelchair, bud? Like, I get the streets are uneven, but we can still figure something, <laughs> something out. Something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'll circle back on the representation because that was a big thing that Brandon talked about when he was doing his screenplay for the movie at the first Mistborn. Is that he realized he was so focused on making a singular woman character like really good that he forgot to have any others. The only other one we have is uh, Ariane. Yeah, Ariane. She, yes. I have thoughts on her, but she, she doesn't fit the tone <laughs> of the book at all. Oh, gosh, yeah. She, she's, I love yeah. her. I love the way she is. It's a bit strange yeah. here at the beginning. Oh, there's this yeah. um, noble lady that was... Um, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, now I forgot her name. On the first book. Ariane is kind of yeah. that lady, but better. And less disgusting. So I can see what you say, Chris. Yeah, that's something I wanted to bring up was just the kind of the lack of women in this story. I think Brandon's gonna change a few of the crew to women too. Breeze and clubs, I think. Mm. No, 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 it wasn't clubs. I was gonna I, say clubs would be it, such like an interesting. Is it Hammer Doctrine? Um, I forgot woman. one of the two, and then there's somebody else. I think it was Doctrine. That I also like, forgot. Definitely not Spook, because. <laughs> Spook is great too in this book. I would love to see Spook as a girl. Yes. That would be interesting, considering. Well, I don't want to speak about Spook yet. That's all I'm saying, because it's too dangerous for me. Don't tempt me, Frodo. (laughs) Okay, great. Glad you know that something (laughs) happens there. It's fake. Y'all, y'all are gonna make me, like, finish Do Hero it. of Ages tonight. Like, start and finish. Just so that I know what you're talking about. I'm so scared. No, no, no. Don't be scared. 
Oh, gosh. Okay, so we've kind of talked around him a bit, but do you guys want to actually talk about Kelsier and kind of his legacy that is still being built? Oh, my man. My man, Kelsier. He's in everybody's mind. And I love mm-hmm. in the beginning, I have a note where everyone, where Ellen keeps being like, I wish I was Kelsia and, you know, all this stuff. And he, he I think it was, I, I forget who no, he was talking to. No, that's not wall. a good idea. Saying, no, you don't want to be like him, you know. You have morals and all that. But. Oh, have I love how he keeps comparing Ham. himself to Kelsey yeah. because he thinks that Ben was in love with him. And Ben is like, no, <laughs> he was just a really great person to have as an emotional support. Although... He was kind of a paternal figure. Yeah, I do not see there being a crush there, but... But I understand why Ellen has Kelsey as the source of his insecurities. Oh, absolutely. Like... Mm-hmm. Elin's government would not exist without Kelsier's sacrifice. Yes, and everyone is saying, oh, if Kelsier was alive, he would be crazy about the fact that you are a noble and you are the king. He would not like that. And the poor little Ellen is like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I was born a noble person. I'm trying to do my best here. Uh. Yeah, and so, yeah, Kelsier casts a very long shadow, because, again, Kelsier has that charisma. Kelsier can move the masses, which is something yeah. Ellen can't do uh, without Kendall's help. Kelsier is a natural leader. Though, sometimes isn't that. But, though, I mean, he's a natural leader for, like, the saving crew and, like, everything like we've heard about him. Like, he has that charisma, but he would not be a good uh, ruler either. And every and again, he made himself into a deity essentially, and so now people are worshiping him and Vin, Vin who happens to be Ian's girlfriend, and so he just puts all this pressure on himself to be uh, like Kelsey, or who he really should. And it reminds me of something in film like I'm not going to talk about the conversation we had in psychology class. Point is, Kelsey. He made himself into a deity, right? That is his whole plan uh, all along. And survivorism, it's a strange, it's a I strange think it's religion. very interesting the fact that we see the way that the crew members think of Kelsier, the way they remember him and the way they know him deeply for the person he was. And I like how that's contra- contradictory to the way that this this caste society and this um, survivorist church is making this um, collective idea of what he was, of the way he represented hope and surviving. And I mean, we're, we're probably going to have to get back to this when we talk about Era 2 because of the importance that this religion, survivorism, has on Era 2. But we are seeing in the Well of Ascension this way of thinking about Kelsier was founded and the way that started and it's absolutely interesting and well I was in love with Kelsier because of this hope he left the people with because this nice message he spread but as we said before on the second on the second read you start to realize that it was a sociopathic collective society manipulation that he was 
he was doing there and that he left a mess to his friends who were alive to deal with. And actually, the person who has to face this mess that he left is, is Ellen now. Mm-hmm. And poor little Vin, who is so anxious about being on the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why I think it's Demo that is kind of in the survivor's cult religion. He is a part of that, if I remember correctly. And he's kind it of is. like the connection between the crew and the masses. Because he's mm-hmm. he acts almost as like a liaison in my head. Because he, yes, he if I remember correctly, was in the original like ska army that they were trying to put together, and he was the one that like Kelsier kind of did things for Helped. during the fight. Yeah, and so yeah. you can see how even someone that had met him face to face and had spoken to him and had an experience with him can still deify him in their head and like mm-hmm. make it make sense. And so I thought it was a really interesting character move to have someone that's very close, like have being like the second in command pretty much for the military and that has still made the decision to believe even when he's so close to Vin and she's saying, no, I'm not, I'm not divine. I'm not God. I'm not the heir. Like we are all just people and he still chooses to believe. And so I think that was a very interesting choice and it kind of to me it almost works opposite to Sazed and how like Sazed is choosing to kind of believe everything sort of um, like he believes <laughs> everything has worth but he yes. might not believe believe whereas Demo is making the choice to even though the people that he knows might actually have the answers says that like he shouldn't he's still choosing to actively truly believe in the survivor's religion. And so I just thought it was a very fascinating thing for such a small like side character. Oh yes, absolutely. And I, I love this this discussion because as we have Ilana here being quoting herself a nerd with <laughs> religions, like in real yeah. life, I am a nerd with social development and I really like when my fiction or fantasy or sci-fi uh, books show me the way that the society grew up after some meaningful event. And particularly here, we are seeing this character as a protagonist on the first book. Then we see the way that his death basically founded a religion. And we see the way that, as Elena said, it started as a kind of a cult. Not quite as uh, official as a religion, but as a cult of people gathering and talking about someone they can actually remember because was a real person that could talk to them and walk among them and actually help them. And we see the way that this this set of ideas, uh, of ideals, the, about surviving, about hope, and about freedom, they were touching individual life, lives, sorry. And then on Era 2, we see the way that these things became like a much bigger social movement. And I love the way that we see this growth. I promise, I promise you that if you keep reading the Mistborn uh, sagas, the era one, the era two, you're going to uh, see what I'm talking about and it's absolutely delightful. It's so well written and so interesting. And yeah, I, I always enjoy the way that Kelsier's legacy grow. And I'm not going to say anything else about Kelsier because dangerous. One thing I know about this whole religion thing is that Brandon, when researching before writing these books, mm-hmm. looked up cults and how they form and how they disseminate and all that, and I, I thought that was really interesting, because he, he does a lot of research. 
Oh, and this is a thing I kind of heard about later. And that was interesting how he studied formation uh-huh. of cults in order to write about survivorism. But you, you really get to see the effects of that going forward. Nice. Right. Yes, it's always nice to mention that Brandon does his homework. And we're talking about this. He goes and does research on real life so that his books, even if they are fiction and fantasy and with magic, they feel realistic in their own way. I want to talk about just two things before we go. <laughs> just full talking about the Sanderland. Somebody who's better at summary than me should, like, uh, wrap that up. Should, like, uh, do, like, a quick recap, like, of the Sanderland, because there's a lot that happens there. And from then on, like, going to, like, the end of the book and, like, predictions and uh, lore. Because we're going long here. But I do want to talk a bit about, uh, like, Marsh and David and the convertible of Saron. And also uh, the imposter plot, more or less, and like who is like the oh. intruder, like the, the Among uh, Us, like, the, um, con- <laughs> the Among Us game. They have to play. Yeah, the Among Us plot. <laughs> There's an imposter Among Us, and Bean goes crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So, uh, want to talk about Martian says it in the convertible of Siran first because it's pretty good. Like. Uh, segue into the Sander Lynch and then uh, the Among Us plot and the Mysterious and then we can go full yeah, on into discussing good. the yes. Sander So the Conventicle of Seran or Siran or whatever you would like to call that place that happens on the beginning of the book we're seeing a, a very different marsh from what we saw before Absolutely, yeah. It's very scary and creepy, and it made me really sad because you're like, hey, I mean, you became an inquisitor, but you were like still a pana, pal, a friend, but now you are getting creepy and dark, and I don't know if I can trust you anymore, and I was so sad about this. This made me absolutely sad because I grew attached to his character on the first book and seeing him going through this on the second one, I was like, oh no, I want to understand what is going on. It's heartbreaking. I wonder what he was up to when he was in the, when he separated from Sazed. I don't even know if we ever find out. I think we do get some hints in Hero of Ages, but I don't yeah, think Yeah, because I was getting towards the end of the book with everything that happens with Marsh and Sezid and their whole confrontation. But I was getting towards the end and to that part, and I was like, huh, we haven't seen Marsh in a while. I wonder what he's been up to. And then just kind of moved on from there. And so I'm very curious to see what he had been up to and been doing. Yeah, and we get all these strange descriptions in the Gunnetical, like about like all the like torture yeah. tools and spice and the blood and everything. Like, what in the world is going on? So, predictions, what do you think is going on there? But Because Marshall is very oh, God. Um, about it. Okay, I'm going to cut this if this is a spoiler. But it's kind of reminding me of the Fused a little bit. And, like, he seems to be becoming a different person. And so, was that, like, the, the steel... Oh, interesting. I have no idea what's happening with these people. I'm so confused and so scared <laughs> Like, actually, these guys give me nightmares, and I don't know what they could possibly be up to. <laughs> yeah, I found it interesting how he, how much he seemed to have changed between the beginning of the book and the end of the book, where he was still being kind of, like, friendly towards Sezid, and allowed him to take the rubbing and all of that, and then, yeah, and oh, then, 
he's like full on attacking him. So I don't know. I will say the seal seems to be changing him and the whole fact that he has become an inquisitor in that whole process. I do not know what that process was. I'm not going to try to guess because I know I'm just going to get it wrong. <laughs> I kind of don't I mean, I was just like, at first they're just like hammering these random things into your body and like the pain probably drives you crazy. But it seems to be more than that considering he was okay when he came back at the end of the final empire. So the only thing that my brain is saying is that they've each got like a piece of the shard in them or something or a shard if there are two on Skadriel because obviously one was released when Vin did her thing at the Well of Ascension or at least that's what I'm assuming um, and so the other one is trying to keep it locked up possibly and so <laughs> I, I don't know I have no episode. freaking <laughs> clue what's happening here <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's okay. Gosh. I don't think you should cut this the thing you're saying because you didn't you didn't say anything spoilery about what the few star or where they are. So if you're a listener, you don't know what they are. Don't worry, you will find out eventually. Okay. And if you know what they are, then enjoy um, Ilana's connection between those two points. And well, I mean, all I can add to what you said is that we definitely know that the Inquisitors are somehow affected by the magic system that we have going on in Skedra because yes, yeah. that that's absolutely supernatural. They have misborn powers. They can like endure things that normal people, even in this fictional world, wouldn't be able to. So it's okay that you think uh, that there has to be a connection and, well, the connection and the secrets regarding the Inquisitors are going to be revealed. I mean, trust Brandon, they are going to be revealed. But it's very interesting to, to hear that you thought it was similar to the first. We're going to go back to this topic whenever we speak about the full spoiler episode on the Hero of Ages, probably. God, that'll be an interesting episode. <laughs> Yeah, and so a uh, yes. final thing before uh, going full on Sanderlanch. The Misspirit. Oh, yeah. What do you think about the Misspirit? Um, Christian, yeah. you made a note about like, uh, loving I, the Misspirit. It's just so, really cool mystery. I'm a big fan of ghosts. That I remember that's how I thought of him. That he was just a ghost. And I was like, oh man, we're getting supernatural stuff. And I was upset when it stabbed Ellen in like, the face or whatever. Or killed him. And I remember I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and on the stomach yeah <laughs> would have been more entertaining if it was the face though <laughs> yeah I was like hey I trusted <laughs> you little fellow come on I, I'd friends. be interested cool. in predictions from Milano about the Miss Spirit because I had no idea my first read sorry <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling that the Miss Spirit was like Alendi or the other person that wrote the other um, epigraphs. I cannot think of what his name is. Rashik's uncle. Quan. Um, Quan. 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 Um, I get the feeling that it was someone like that, but I don't know. Again, maybe it's the other shard at work, but I that was another thing where I just like, well, I'll probably find out what this is later, and so I'll just move past it now. And so I didn't worry too much about like how it actually worked. Um, I very much did not trust it, though, because um, at the beginning, Vin is very paranoid, and 
has all the stuff from the guidebook about how it attacked one of Elendi's friends, which now I'm wondering if that wasn't like a push to try and get him to like hurry up and do something. Yeah, I think the Misfitter is very interesting. I do not know nearly enough my, about it. My favorite thing and with I it hope is that we see more of it in Hero of Ages. That then he is from it. Yes. Something going on there. And I remember yeah. I was like, why? What? Why can she hear that mm-hmm. from the Misfitter? Yeah, I honestly didn't really notice that, but that is fascinating now that you mention it. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Then it's something we can talk it's something we can touch on yeah. more in the full spoilers episode because I think you know what I'm talking about here and what connection I'm making. Yeah. But that's a full spoiler thing because it relates mm-hmm. to something else in the Yeah, but yeah. if you think but. about the spirit like in, in, and the relevance it has on this book, I think that you get a very mysterious vibe, you get, you get a very confusing vibe because sometimes he appears to be nice, then he goes and stabs our male protagonist, and then he's posing in this weird way. I mean, it's very hard to get a prediction on him. This kind of thing, like this uh, spirit, was... One of the things that triggered my nature of a spoiler spring because I was like, what is going on? I need to know! Ah, I need to know. I can't take it anymore. It's so confusing. I remember feeling so annoyed at the ignorance of, of this thing. And well, obviously in the end of the stuff, you get an explanation and everything. But meanwhile, I was Oh, so anxious about it. But I imagine that as a thing that you see on Full Metal Alchemist anime, uh, which is called The Truth, which is like a white dude. I mean, when you have a... Well, it doesn't matter, but it's like a weird, creepy white fellow that took my absolutely head cannon for this uh, spirit on Mistborn. And yeah, I, I, I wanted to get a spoiler on this. And I didn't get a spoiler because I didn't have any friend to ask then about this. I will just say that when you said a white dude elf, I'm just picturing like some random white guy named Chad just like standing on the tower, just like staring at Vin. Um, I know that's probably not what you meant whatsoever, but that is that is the image that I am seeing currently. Oh no! And I'm going to share a picture with you of what I mean. <laughs> um, but also, like, I feel like the mist spirit really adds to the like kind of gothic feeling that this book has. Like, I don't know if anyone else has read Jane Eyre. I had two for school, but very much kind of like wife and is it like the wife in the attic or is it a ghost sort of feeling? Where it's like, there's something weird happening here. Not entirely sure what it is, but it's very creepy. The picture I that you're gonna see from me, for my headcanon on the ghost uh, spirit, on the ghost, no, sorry, in the mist spirit, is very creepy. It's very creepy. And I think it's very okay. accurate. It's the truth oh. from Full Metal Alchemist, and I think it's just it. <laughs> God, that's creepy. <laughs> Anyway, uh, do you want to go to full-on standard and somebody that's better at summarizing than me, please give a recap of everything that happened. I'm probably not good so either for that because yeah. Chris, I'm I really branch a lot. That, I'm really hoping that you can do and this, I Chris. Get excited. So I'm going to start from the beginning of part six. Come so on, save us. I'm sure. Just looking at my note. So first, we find out please. that uh, like right before part six begins, that the yeah, well of ascension is actually in Luthadel, not the Terrace Mountains, way to the north. So Vin rushes ahead because she's a misborn. She 
uses horseshoes to get all the way back. And then we cut to Straff's point of view, and it's like, wow, what's that boulder in the sky? Oh, gosh. And he gets cut in half. His horse gets cut in half. And so the battle begins. It is crazy. <laughs> I love that <laughs> And Ben she does mows down eat. hundreds of Kolos, and it's just going crazy. There's <laughs> piles of bodies building below her, and they start to have issues going over, and she keeps killing, keeps killing. She's running out of medals, and eventually she has to run away. And she has no medals left except for copper and sterilumen. I hope I say that right. It seems natural in my mind. And so, yeah. And so she yeah. takes the final swig of copper and sterilumen <laughs> and it's like <laughs> just pushes on the feelings or emotions of all the kolos in front of her. And they all stand still. And then she remembers from Tensun, the Chandra spy, that he mentions that the Kolos are cousins. And at this point, she's already hurt Tensun and kind of controlled him to kill off Zane. So she's like, oh, that's how you, that's how the Lord Ruler controlled the Kolos. So pay off right there. That's a mystery we've been wondering about. And then after that, she goes to the castle. She finds a couple of our heroes. She goes to the castle gates with a very large army of Kolos. And I believe it's that won't let her in. And she's like, dude, I'm about to pass out. Get me out of here. And she like, figures out how to control the Kolos. And the battle finishes. And they kind of regroup. We think it's the end of the book. But no, it's not. We still got 50 pages. And this is... When Sazed is finishing up the uh, journal, I believe, the final pages when they hear a scream and a the mist has killed and is killing multiple people in the crowds outside just in broad daylight and he sees the mist spirit, I believe, and it's pointing him to uh, Credit Shah and Ben, I believe, wakes up and explains what happens with Zane, all that, to Ellen. And she gets summoned to Credit Shy because she did a super push or whatever of, like, eight days or something and has to rest. That's one of the consequences of going so long uh, doing all that. And so she goes to Credit Shy. Sazed is at Credit Shy, and they find a really large source of steel in the wall that they haven't seen before which is really interesting. And so she uses Derelumen and steel to push it open, and they find a lot of food. They hear, like, water or something in there, and she goes in with Ellen. And Sazid stays outside. While they go in, Mosh shows up, and it's like, oh, sorry, Sazid, but I have to kill you now. And he's like, what? Why? No, don't do that. And they have a little battle. But we were friends. <laughs> yeah. Smeagol lied. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's lots of things going on there, but they fight each other. He, uh, Sazed gets all his rings taken, and he, we think he's gonna die. And then Mosh pushes the rings and, like, slices him open with the strength ring, which he realizes he can still use because it's contacting his skin. So he goes crazy, fights off Mosh, walks away, and throughout this entire time of switching between Sazed and Mosh fight, and Alan and Ben. But I'm just going to explain one and then the other. Sazed rushes in, I believe. I, I can't remember what happens after he defeats Mosh. But... Yeah, he's too late yeah. to stop what's going on. So Alan and Ben are exploring the cabin that is opened. 
and they find a map on steel with a couple X's on it and the, I guess, prophecy that we read throughout the epigraphs. And they find a couple uh, interesting things, I think. That's, and so uh, there's instructions, but they don't know what it means. And then they find the pool, the Well of Ascension. But before and, they see a black mist, a yes, weird black mist. There's a weird black mist, though. There's some uh, predictions if you want to go into that once I finish. And they it's go too in. Important. Yeah, I think they say it's like really hot in the mist, or they pass through it or something. And they see the pool. They see a couple beads in a bowl, and they're like, oh, "I'm not touching that. That's weird." Uh, I think there's just one because there used to be more. Yeah, there's just one because Hoyt took the other one. one Hoyt <laughs> took one of those. Hey! <laughs> yeah, no, it's not really a spoiler because it happens off screen. We have confirmation from Brandon for that. And it's something that I think, I'm not sure. Because I don't have that. It's something he might have made more obvious in the 10th anniversary edition. Because Hoyt didn't actually appear on screen. Like, in this book. But he is the uh, terrorist man leader that's, like, helping, uh, like, the terrorist, like, refugees and whatnot. He didn't appear on screen. I don't know if Brandon changes for the 10th anniversary edition. I have the feeling he did. But yeah, Hoyt took one of the uh, beads out of the And so well. there's just one, then. And so the Miss Spirit shows up and everyone's kind of... Ben and Ellen's debating on it. Ellen wants to go near it. Ben is like, don't trust it, don't trust it. And Ellen walks up to it, and it's pointing at the pool, I believe. And Ben uh, is like, don't go near it, don't go near it. And he gets stabbed in the stomach. He falls over, and she's trying to help him. And then the misfear is pointing at the pool for Ben, and like being very, um, I guess, insistent on it. And so she goes in. Uh, some wackiness happens. I don't know if it's a spoiler to give the name of what happened. But yeah, she, probably. Uh, sees a lot of issues with the world. And she sees Ellen killing or dying. And thinks to herself, I have the power to save him now. This is what I should do. But because of the logbook that she's been studying with Sazid and Tendril... She says, I'm going to let it go, because that's what the prophecies say. So she lets it go. Immediately, immediately everything goes to shit. And she hears <laughs> a booming, terrifying voice saying, I am free. And then there's this moment in, in, in which you say, why am I hearing boss music? <laughs> why am I hearing <laughs> evil guy music? If she did the right thing. I mean, I want to I want to highlight this, the relevance of this very last scene that Chris has um, described. Because we're going to be going back. I mean, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but we're going to be discussing this in the future. Because it was very Cosmere, 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 whatever, Cosmere relevant. So it's... If you ever, if you don't like to reread the books, I mean that's okay. But I should definitely recommend you to reread this scene because a lot of things are happening in here. Alana, I just wanted to think about thoughts, predictions, everything, as long as it isn't related to other Cosmere uh, things. 
we'll talk about that next Elena, episode. Yeah, did you did you get the black mist? Because the first time okay. I completely skipped it because I was consumed by the ah the, this this rage reading you do on the Sunderlandch, and I didn't get it. And the second time I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? No, I did not notice the black mist whatsoever. <laughs> So uh, this is just like essentially the one of the few pages again. At that moment, she remembers something. Something says it has said. You must love him enough to trust his wishes, he told her. It isn't love unless you learn to respect him. Not what you assume is best, but what he actually wants. She saw him weeping. She saw him focusing on her. And she knew what he wanted. He wanted his people to live. He wanted a world to know peace and this God to be free. He wanted the deepness to be defeated. The safety of his people meant far more to him than his own life. Far more. You'll know what to do, he so told her. This moment before, I trust you. Ming closed her eyes and tears rolled so down her cheeks. Apparently, God couldn't cry. <laughs> That's raving. Let's keep going. Uh, I love you, she whispered. She let the power go. She held the capacity to become a deity in her hands. And she gave it away. Releasing it all to the waiting void. She gave up Belen. Because she knew that was what he wanted. The cavern immediately began to shake. Vin cried out as the flaring power within her was ripped away, soaked up greedily by the void. She screamed, her glow fading, and then fell into the now empty pool, head knocking against the rock. The cavern continued to shake, dust and chips falling from the ceiling. And then, in a moment of surreal clarity, Vin heard a single, this sentence ringing in her mind. I am free. Oh, God. <laughs> Because we chilled every time. And then the next epigraph. For he must not be allowed to release the thing that is imprisoned like there. The last pages. <laughs> the next epigraph. I, I remember my first time reading this book. I did not expect yeah. something like that to happen. Because I knew about thieving crews and we had, you know, Kelsia and stuff like that before I started reading. So I was expecting, like, you know, you know take over the government. You know, and just keeps going up a scale, and nope. I'm political, <laughs> yeah. But then this, yeah. and I'm like, what, <laughs> what? And this, like, the structure of this, like, the way the series like goes, and how the first book is like more like centered, and then this one is more like even more expanding, and then the third one is even more expanding. Solves the one structure, shoves a huge, uh, solves the huge structural problem there was in Aether of Nights, but I'm not gonna talk about that. So, oh my god, you guys, thoughts. you gotta, you gotta give me a quick break. Um, no, we won't. Thoughts. Um, we don't do that here. <laughs> well, Sorry. I will say that I kind of expected something along these lines to happen, just because I accidentally clicked on the Hero of Ages description while buying it, um, and so it was like after <laughs> releasing something. Vin and her friends, and I'm like, nope, oh my god, no. So I knew that something was gonna happen. I did not expect this to happen, um, because even I was like, oh yay, she found the Well of Ascension, she's gonna go do the right thing and, like, save the world, and then that's not at all what happened. I, I mean, once again, I feel like this is a shard that is being released, but I have questions about how that works, um, once again, because I don't know how shards work, I just know they're a thing, and so I'm throwing them everywhere. I mean, this obviously- What are the questions you have? I don't know. I mean, like, can a shard exist on its own without someone holding it? Because, like, th that's that's a whole thing we're going to have to get into next episode. Because I don't want to, like, spoiler 
I don't want to spoil <laughs> anything. Oh my god, okay, sorry. I'm trying to like put my thoughts together so it actually makes sense. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, um... obviously, like, the mist spirit is connected to this and that they're like trying to get her to stop and not do the whole Will of Ascension thing. And so there has to be like some outside force manipulating the epigraphs so that she and Sazed both believe that the Well of Ascension needs to be given up as opposed to used. And somehow all of this connects to the fact that like the world is completely screwed up now. Um, and like they have a red sun and all of that and it's all bad and there's a whole bunch of ash and somehow that's all connected and I don't know how. This is a frustrating thing because it reminds me of Stormlight Archive and just that we don't have a lot of history documents to understand like what might have happened before the big events that take place. And so I'm like, okay, obviously things were good, but then the mist started taking over, but the shard was already locked up before the mist started taking over. And so I don't I have so many questions. I have no predictions. I just have questions. I'm sorry. But that that those are some of them. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. So Vin wakes up, she's like sad about how like she betrayed Ellen, whatever, and then the mystery is like pointing at like some beads on the the bead on the floor and he's like and she realizes he well stabbed Ellen to let uh would use the power to heal him rather than release the power. And she finds like this bead and Ellen is barely alive. And so she gives him the bead and then Ellen starts burning <laughs> Epilogue. Everyone <laughs> Best thing ever. Yeah. Um and so they find the mister still killing people in a mm. random pattern. And others like just become sick, don't die. Uh, Sazed has no idea. Uh, Sazed left. My god. I, mean, I remember my first time reading this. I, I remember I was like, Brandon, why why are you like this? I mean, Tindwil death, the thing being released. Ellen being killed, the Miss Spirit being a traitor, but oh wait, he's pointing the way to save Ellen. Now Ellen is a misborn. I mean, man, give me a break. Come on, what is this? <laughs> and I and I thought that Chaos Here Dying was a lot. And, and and now you're throwing this at me. What what do I have coming on the next book? What what are you going to do on the, the Hero of Ages? And oh my, what he did on the Hero of Ages. Yeah, it's like a little bit similar like to that in the Fires of Heaven where you think the book ends and no, there's still more. You think it ends, there's still more. You think it ends, there's still more. And finally the epilogue. And it finally actually ends. Like things keep going on until the epilogue. And so, uh, yeah, Sazed is thinking of uh, Quan's words, the rubbing, and how it's, and how like they've changed and how like the prophecy of the Hero of Ages is fabrication and anything not said in middle. Like all that begot that we've been reading. So they finally put them together. I'm not gonna read all that, and turns out, Ellen is a misword. <laughs> yeah, which does raise yeah, questions. Coming. Because, yeah, like, we know that, or I, at least I think, I think Rashik became a misborn in the Well of Ascension and all that, but then that means that it's not only the people that are physically in the Well of Ascension, but are just in the vicinity of it that become misborn as well. So now I'm curious to see, like, how far does that 
actually spread out and like does this have consequences for Sezed or like Marsh who were kind of in an outer room and like what all happened there so okay so uh, like the beat of uh, Laravium and yeah making someone this point is a side effect of burning it and these are just like my lore points at the end before we get like final thoughts and so we know Hoyt also took one of those beads of Laravium from words of Brandon and it's frustrating oh. how little we know about this we can talk about this more in the spoiler episode because we've seen effects of Hoyt taking this beat off like later on yeah that makes sense other series and so yeah Making someone misborn is because of the metal. I want to talk about Great, the Great, I finally get some answers episode. for once. Um, other lore points. Thank you to the people from the 17th Shard for submitting these. I had to cut a lot away because they have spoilers for uh, Hero of Ages and Secret History, but I'll bring those up when we get there. Uh, but yeah, the Well of Ascension is recharged every 1,024 years, which is an interesting number. And it's implied that Alendi and Rashik were not the first to seek uh, the Well. I kind of wish we got the story of those other people, but and yeah, that's the end of my lore points. I just want uh final. Is anyone <laughs> pain, sorrow, confusion, doubt, sadness, but confused sadness because L is not dead. Kind of, I think. I'm not sure. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> those are all yeah, accurate it's... feelings. Yes, <laughs> it's so much. It's overwhelming and. I'm sorry if this overwhelms you even more, but this uh, Standerlench is so Cosmere relevant. So Cosmere relevant. It's one of my favorites. We're going to be coming yeah. back for, for this because there are like layers of things happening here. You guys are just so trying to make layers. me have a crisis, aren't you? Like, I mean, I don't feel guilty about doing this to you because you <laughs> guys are not giving me any spoilers for the Wheel of Time, and I'm probably be feeling the same way while I read that <laughs> saga, and you and you be like not saying anything to me. So yeah, I'm not feeling guilty at all. <laughs> oh no, we're terrible friends for not giving you spoilers. <laughs> like yes, <laughs> I'm scratching my eyes out just so you know <laughs> how bad I'm feeling. But yeah. I mean, going back to the Well of Ascension, oh, this ending, and knowing that the Hero of Ages is like this, but three times uh, more exciting and more complicated and more Cosmere relevant and more complex. And, like, all, and those feelings of like hype oh for me are spread out throughout the entire book for me. Like everything pays off. I think it's one of the best endings of any book I've read. Honestly. Yes, it's awesome. I mean, we haven't talked much about the Kandra um, plot, but I think that I want to talk more about the Kandra once we have uh, finished the Hero of Ages. Right now, we can, we can like, stick with the thing that they are kind of causing to the Colos, but um, definitely want to mention that we have not seen the last of the Kandra. We are going to be seeing more, and they are going to become more relevant and wow i mean expect big things from the kandra it's i'm so excited for hero and the among us uh, subplot was so exciting i mean i had so much stupid theories on who was the imposter and i i don't know i think it's very hard to see that one coming okay so that one actually I kind of had reached the point where I was like, you know what, it's none of them, and they just threw some bones <laughs> in there. 
just to like <laughs> freak out Vin, and it's all been just like Frank. one big like fake out. I was like, someone's just messing with her at this point. But yeah, that reveal was. I I think I audibly gasped whenever like he called uh, the Condra over, and I was like, oh no. I and, like, it all makes sense now. On all that, because I always forgot yes. who it was on my uh, on my second read. I was like, "Who's the spy again?" And I forgot. <laughs> so this time, this time I underlined everything. Oh my! So, to make sure I never forget, because everything, because it gets overshadowed by all the other payoffs. We're going to be coming back yeah, in yeah. the Cosmere spoilers episode of the Well of Ascension to the Kandra because I'm not going to say in which saga, but we have a word of Brandon that there's a Kandra world hopper in in some other planet. We're still guessing it. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, lots of mystery on mystery on that matter, but yes, we have to talk about that. Yeah. So I think we're just about done because right now we're just like, yeah. we need to talk about all of this. In yeah, the, if any of it sounds uh, interesting, episode. come back for next episode. Because yes. there really is a lot to talk about. Yeah. Next episode is mostly so going to be Sanderland discussion because of how cosmic relevant that is. So uh, look forward to that. It's going to be a lot of I mean, on the matter of, of uh, final thoughts, not much about the book, but more about the show in general, um, I would like to thank some members of our audience that have been giving us feedback on the sound quality and, um, well, mostly that, and some other issues that we have, uh, I mean, we know that Ilana has been able to fix because she's our technical genius. Um, <laughs> so I want to thank Elliot from our Discord uh, channel, and I want to thank Bill from the Sandersonian Institute of Cosmere Studies, which is another Cosmere podcast, which is awesome and I definitely love because it's the place in which I met uh, Cheyenne. Because, well, the, the feedback has been yeah. super he helpful and hopefully we will, we will be getting more host people, we will be getting more feedback and better equipment and upgrades. So we're having a lot of fun and we're working to do even better in the future. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, that's just about it. Uh, you can follow us and contact us through all our social media. Uh, the links will be in the show notes. Uh, join us in our Discord and email at worldhopperspodcast at gmail.com or DM us and we'll get your link to that. For more discussion, email us with your opinions. We'll sure to discuss whatever you want us to talk about on the podcast. And we really want more uh, like interaction, like fun with our listeners is always fun now uh, you can find uh, me on the 17th chart forums under the profile of Cheyenne but I am not very active like in this series part but I'm there and if you tag me or if you message me I'll answer uh, you can find Christian on his Instagram page called Christian's Hobby Blog with an I instead of a Y in uh, Hobby and uh, the links are also in the show notes uh, thank you so much Yay, for being here. Yeah, here thank you for coming uh, on episode, uh, and if you want to share something about uh, your anything else about your channel, the things you're working, it's very interesting and I'm enjoying watching too, so yeah, do share. Yeah, so I'm basically just a hobby channel. I've tried YouTube a million times throughout my life since like eighth grade watching like, you know, Markiplier. And so finally I figured out what I want to do. So I do a lot of film collecting, film history discussions with uh, 
film professor friend of mine from school. And I also do a lot of fantasy book stuff. I'm working through the Wheel of Time, in which Cheyenne comes on and we talk, and she uh, can never say much because she'll spoil a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I'm, uh, I'm working through that. I'm also uh, just doing a lot of uh, fantasy in general. So I want to do more Cosmia stuff as we get closer to that. Once uh, book, book four of Era 2 is closer and book five of Stormlight. So I'm not super in-depth in my reviews. It's mostly reactions and differences between mediums. I'm working on a Jurassic Park review. I just finished that book in a day because it's awesome and amazing uh-huh. so yeah that's that's me <laughs> i'm also on discord so yeah i'll put all the links in the show notes mm-hmm. and that just makes things easier uh so tell us your feedback oh i feedback i can't talk today ask us your questions we love to hear your thoughts as i said you know, a lot more like interaction like uh with us you know like bringing on uh guest hosts and things like that now let us know what you think of the show and what your favorite moments of the Cosmere have been. Uh, tell us your theories regarding his friend and going on in his head and when it comes to the Cosmere. And if you've enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Yeah, rating the show really does help listeners find us and like build a community around the show, which has been great so far, and we just love to grow it. And um, also make sure to share the podcast with other Brandon Sanderson fans, you know, and anyone you'd like to introduce to the series. We know how hard it can be to try and explain all this to someone new without overwhelming them. Um, And yeah, thanks for listening. And remember, journey before destination. Goodbye.